Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, after a renewed conversation last week around education centres for children with special needs, Anne and Galway got in touch to chat about the situation in her own family. A parent of two children with ASD, Anne is a big believer in the importance of mainstream integration. But her experience of the present school system has fallen well below the mark. Anne, thanks very much for joining us on Lunchtime Live today. Firstly, can you tell me a little bit about your boys? What are they like? Um, they're both very good little lads, they're easy mind, um, but they were diagnosed when they were almost three years of age and it took us a while to figure out which way each of them worked. They're both very different and polar opposites of each other and everything that we do centres on um, their needs and how they're able to cope in different situations. Um how long ago was that diagnosis, Anne? Um, quite a lot to think. Well, one is nearly nine and the other is nearly ten. Okay. So, six years ago. And how have you been coping as a parent in that time? And When we got the diagnosis first, obviously, um, it was a bit of a shock. Um, but we started off and the, the two boys went to a crash that's here in Galway, they're very good. The girls there specialise in all different types of um, additional needs and they helped us to learn more about the lad's diagnosis and uh, autistic behaviours and everything like that. So uh, they were there for about two years each and we had a good handle on it then when, and the boys were very happy and we decided that um, to give them a better life that we'd move out of the city and move them into the country. And was that... Did you feel that that worked? Was that something that worked out for you guys? The first school... The crash went very well. The first school that we were in with our older son, he got on really well inside in the school. Um, the... Like he loved jumping out of the car, running into school every day. Um, unfortunately, the sale of a house fell through in the house that we were trying to buy there and we ended up moving to another area. And we moved the two boys then to a new school where one was in senior infants and one was in junior infants. Because our older son had gotten on so well in the first school, we thought he'd adjust well to the second school. So the teacher in the second school gave us undertakings that they were going to... He uses a picture exchange communication, um, which means that uh, if I, he, while he can communicate, he can talk and he's very clear speech, sometimes he can't think of what it is that he wants to say. So he uses the textbook as a prompt to um, say what his needs are. So he would have had a photograph on the front of the book with maybe like an SNA and their name on it, and then whatever he wants, it could be whatever the SNA's name, then another tag says, I want, and another tag would say, the Lego, just to give an example. So he was using that proficiently since he was two years of age. They had no issue implementing it in the, second, in the first school that he was in, but in the next school, the school that they're in at the moment, um, they had an issue with it. It turned out they weren't implementing it properly, and um, within three months of him starting in the school, he went from being a very good eater 
to like not eating at all Monday to Friday, then taking fistfuls of food and stuffing them into his mouth on the Friday afternoon. His weight plummeted. He was self-harming and um, very upset, having massive meltdowns. Um, that we must were have been so difficult constantly. to to witness, Anne. That must have been heartbreaking. Well, we kept asking what the problem was down in the school and we kept getting told, oh no, the boys are very happy and you know, there was all different excuses for it to give them a chance and but then one time when we were down to school they asked us if we could teach him to use the, or ask him to get him to ask to use the toilet at home in his own house. And we couldn't understand this because we were saying we're sure that uh an issue for the school, like he shouldn't have to ask to use the toilet in his own house because he was fully toilet trained when he was in. And um, it turned out that the classroom door was locked. He had no access to the toilet, no access to his communications book. And our child was forced to actually pull down his pants in the classroom to explain to them that he had oh to go to the toilet. God. Oh, that's so sad. That's Yeah, it is very sad. His dignity. And... Uh, but there were there have been a lot of issues like this over the years that they didn't explain to the teams that were involved. They didn't understand the impact of it, didn't understand the impact of it on him. And consequently, it, like, it all turned into him losing weight and self-harming and everything like that. Now, there were issues with other children in the class as well. Um, our second son then, in junior infants, um, he would have been... He, uh, reading and doing his maths and everything and we had the same book for homework right up to Christmas and I pleaded with the principal and the teacher could he have access to mainstream because he wasn't having any access to mainstream they eventually the teacher that was in the mainstream class said that she'd give him a chance and the principal turned around to myself and my husband and said one slip up and he's out one slip up one slip up and he's out. What a, what a strange way to phrase it. I mean, yeah, he's just a little boy. Well, we were saying, what's the one slip up? Is he out of the class, out of the school? Do you know what I mean? But we didn't question it because we didn't want to be causing any ructions and we just said, no, at least he's getting access in. But why frame it as if it was misbehaviour, you know? Your little boy well, needs help. Yeah, well, they, don't, they weren't allowing, they said they do reverse integration which means they don't allow the children from the ASD class. You're enrolled in the ASD class and that's it. You're not actually allowed to go in with the other classes. And is that, you know, what what speaks to me, Anne, from your story is that in one school it was all going very well and your little boy was thriving and in the other school he wasn't and it was because the culture was completely different in that's either it, yeah. school. And really, that's quite frightening that there can't be some consistency if it can go so well in one area and not in the other. And also yeah, it seems to be very it. top down if the principal yeah, was... and in the first school, like in the first school, they had said that he got on really well. He was going in out to mainstream. Our older son was going in out to mainstream. He was going in for Ashter, which is the free playtime that you have in junior infants. And uh, in for art. And he was also going in for maths and English. But then after a while, they said that he prefers to do his maths back at the desk in the ASD class with his ASD teacher. And I said, that's fine. So they were saying, don't worry about it, we'll have him fully mainstream by the time he's in sixth class. So I was, that's fine. So I knew that he got on well in junior infants in that school. And that's why I thought he would in the second school. I suppose our expectation 
was that the SNAs and teachers were going to be the same as what they were yeah. in the crash and in the first national school. And then we moved to this other school. It was a totally different situation. So then we went on battling, trying to get the textbook, get them to use his textbook because we were saying, this is his communication device. He needs this prompt. This is the picture exchange communication gets system. Frustrated. So we were told that they weren't putting the photographs on the front of the, the textbook because it breached GDPR. Right. And okay, that sounds bananas. Um, and what, <coughs> you know, obviously you're able to advocate for for your son, but I'm sure that maybe there aren't parents in a similar situation for you. I mean, you've done a lot of stuff off your own bat to, to kind of help with maths as well, haven't you? Yeah, well, basically... I spent two years getting letters home and pages, even though we told the school that he had learned his CBC words when he was in junior infants and he was able to read, he doesn't understand phonics, but that he reads small words, because that's his area of interest. He actually likes the alpha blocks, play with letters and numbers. Um, And after two years, I just went, oh my God, these people aren't going to try to teach him. So I went off to find a reading program myself, because I figured that if I don't find something that's measurable and achievable and um, that they weren't and have some kind of a structure to it, then they weren't going to do anything. So it took me nearly a full other year to get the school to start using the EDMAP program. So we didn't start using the EDMAP program until the May of the third year. So like there was about three weeks left in the year by the time he had started this other program. So then he started reading since, but he was coming up on eight years of age at this stage. Um, then he had still issues with the weight loss. Um, we had hired a private OT to go out to the school to train staff and everything like that. Now, we had hired the, pro, the, the private OT because we made a complaint in the school after the first year that we were there. Another family removed their child. We were going to remove ours. We were looking around for the schools. But the principal and the chairman of the board met with us and they gave us an undertaking that they would adhere to the recommendations of the team, train staff, all that kind of thing, and for us to work with them and give them a chance. So obviously we said, okay, like it was a lot for us to learn as well. We said, that's fine. And we went off and hired a private OT to go out to school to train uh, staff. Then HSE services because of his weight loss, the provider that he's with had actually hired an SLT temporarily for a few months. A speech and language to train therapist. the staff and the school on the use of PECs. She was out loads of times. It didn't actually change anything inside in the school. I don't think the appetite was there for it or else they just couldn't understand it. And I'm wondering, um, you know, I, I obviously... I'm trying to understand it from the school's perspective and I feel that perhaps we we mentioned the legacy or the culture issue there, that that's kind of a legacy. But it seems like schools really struggle to meet the individual needs of students who need them because they're working within a system that conducts mass education. I mean, what what is the solution here, do you think, or what are you calling for? Well, particularly there's different things. Like, number one is... Education on neurodiversity in colleges that train teachers. Mm. That's the first thing. Now, if it's a thing that they're not going to do that, then I think they should remove the list process for teachers 
to be teaching in ASD classes. Because in my experience in talking to other parents over the years, um, teachers coming out and getting their first full-time job and they're put into an ASD class. And I've had parents even say to me, like that a, a new teacher would turn around and say, oh, I have to do this now for three years before I can get back into mainstream. Like there's, there's not that many t- teachers that want to do it. Mm. Um, they spend an awful lot of time going out trying to train them. They're in and out of school an awful lot. There's no consistency for the children. They don't understand what the needs are. Uh, there are teachers that are there that are trained. They probably come from other jurisdictions. They're working in creches around the country. But because they don't have Irish, they can't teach in the schools. Okay. Now, as well as that, the SESS would say, when I was finding out about the Edmark program, I also found out about a program called SC Maths, which is a uh, maths resource that's um, distributed by the Mind Research Institute in the States. They did online learning for me to the teachers down the school during COVID. And that's what we used as a math to teach our children over COVID. The program was free up until the end of 22. So, And the department can actually get access to these different types of programs to suit the different way that children's brains think. Hmm. And like this program was designed by a man that had dyslexia. But because there's no language in it, it actually suited my son. But you don't have any access to any of these kind of things. Now, I'm not looking for it for free. You know what I mean? It's access. They would buy a license that they could buy a couple of thousand of um, access on a license. And then parents could pay 20 euros a year or whatever it is for access to these programs instead of buying a maths book that they're never going to use. Is this the difference between your son being able to stay in mainstream education and not? It is the difference between staying in mainstream education and not, but there are three areas of need with every child with ASD in order to get a diagnosis. Now, I don't think there is an actual diagnosis. I just think it's it's not rocket science to understand that if a person thinks differently, then they have to learn differently. Mm. It doesn't just apply to... ASD kids. It applies to all children of different abilities. Like that maths program, it's also suitable for children that don't have English as the first language and aren't very good at reading because until they catch up with their reading, they could actually be working on this program that there's no language in if they don't speak English. It's so, also suitable for children that have dyslexia. It's, it's not just about the label. It's actually about your, like a different way of thinking about everything. Tell me about the sensory room, um, Anne. You had some issues there with that being implemented in your school. I understand it's not suitable for your son's ASD. Yeah, before Easter, we got notification from the school. Um, without any consultation with anybody, they decided that they were going to push a sensory copy into the classroom and the boys were moving classroom. Now, we had, knowing that it doesn't suit either of the boys, we didn't consent for it to be used and we sent that back in an email to them. Um, and then after Easter, when we went back, the teacher told us that our son really wanted to have a go on it. So we said that he could sit in the hammock uh, because he has a hammock here at home. And if he wants to sit in the hammock, that's fine. That's the only thing I could see that he might want um, because he likes going on swings. 
And after two weeks, we found out that they were using the cubby on him down in the classroom. And during that two weeks, he was coming home way overstimulated. We couldn't get him to bed at night time. Mm-hmm. Um, his tutor, which we had had to hire with, all, in, with everything that was going on, was saying that he was over with her holding his body and shaking. And we had written down to the school saying, what's happening? Why is he so, I like this? That he, he had something changed on the classroom. And they said, no, just a new classroom. And uh, we found out then from a roti, which he went into the school, that um, they had been using this on it for two weeks. Now, the OT, when she was into the school, said that she was going to make recommendations, but then she realised, looking back to the previous OT report, that uh, the same recommendations that she was going to make um, were already made by the other OTs, and they hadn't been implemented. They just so hadn't been implemented. Didn't there was any point in her making the recommendations. Okay. Now, we had actually discussed this before with an educational psychologist who told us that there was no legal obligation on schools to implement the recommendations of teams. And, and what would you like the outcome to ridiculous. be of this conversation today? Because, you know, there's so many issues here that you've raised. I'm just wondering what, what will make life for you and your son better instantly? Well, I think the first thing is in relation to uh, teachers that are trained teaching ASD classes. And rather than it being seen as a punishment or some way of getting a full-time job, even though you have no interest in it, there should be um, SEN qualifications for teachers that are teaching an ASD class rather than taking time out from school. The second thing, it should be an obligation on the school to implement the recommendations of teams. The last couple of years, all the services that we have got, which are few and far between, but we had to get a private SLT and a private OT all into the school yeah. to train the staff inside in the school. You've had to fight so hard for this. It shouldn't be this hard. Exactly. Um, thank you but so the, much for sharing your story today. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, my heart goes out to you and your little boy and it just feels like you're having to battle such a big system. I hope that there is some some positive outcome from our chat and that, you know, this might influence some other people listening, some other teachers listening to look at what they can do in their schools to help yeah. neuroatypical children like this. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us today. Great. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.